This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. We've been saying we're here until 4 p.m. Eastern time, live Monday to Fridays. And if you're listening via podcast, well, that's just awesome because you can get us on demand as well on your favorite podcast platform. And I'm looking forward to what kind of video content will be put up in the near future. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But until then, we carry on Mondays to Fridays. I'm Ramia Amadin here in Toronto, and Kelly McDonald is joining us from London, Ontario. A lot of new processes, eh? Just mm-hmm. learning, as you say, oh, I wonder how they'll do this. I wonder when. The... It's not even a case of when, the rush anybody. It's, wow, there's just so many different components yeah. now from what new we stuff. put together for audio, what goes up for video, and all the places where. But we've had a great day. We've been able to laugh. We've had some serious conversation with the program, ladies and gentlemen. And now we get to talk a little bit about food, which is always fun. Uh, It's time for our food segment with Mary Mammoliti of Kitchen Confession. If you're like me, the kitchen is your favorite room in the house. I'm Mary Mammoliti, here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen, including food trends, cooking tips, and of course, some delicious recipes. Okay, we always get into so much, get talking, and do we ever get time to fit everything in with Mary? No. No. But we'll try today. Uh, Mayor, welcome back, and we're talking right off the top with you about what's happening in food, with food, this week. Yes, absolutely. And at the top of the list, guys, greedflation. Yes, New words every week. Uh huh, right? and Every that's a very week. interesting word. It's a very interesting <laughs> word. We've talked a lot about uh, this kind of increase at the grocery store, haven't we? We have, we have. And honestly, Canadians, they're angry. They're angry about sky high grocery prices, like Loblaws selling a pack of boneless. So, four pack of boneless, skinless chicken breast. It went for a ridiculous price recently, up $37. Ooh. And then there was, a, right? And then there was another post on Reddit that I found that showed Sobeys selling a party sized container of Caesar salad, $41.99 in Kitchener. Whoa. $41.99. Yes. And I mean, uh, we know the party size. It's not yeah. giant. Like, it's not a huge oh. portion, but $41.99 well, is. We heard a lot uh, near the last three, four months of 2022 of how there was going to be, because of the accusations of price fixings over the last three, four years anyway, that we've heard about through the pandemic and before even, but how we heard... Well, we're going to make sure we're keeping prices staying at some of the grocery giants. We're going on about that, saying they weren't going to raise price. No matter what would happen, they would almost take something off the shelf before they would start the gouging. I mean, basically telling us what we wanted to hear. Because that's exactly. what we wanted to hear, was yes. that they were going to listen to us, listen to the consumers. That hasn't happened yet, unfortunately. Mm. And now a new headline has emerged that Canadians are now stealing overpriced grocery items. And they're actually sharing this on social media with no remorse. So basically, like in a nutshell, guys, consumers oh, they like actually are stealing. This is not actually a euphemism. Stealing. Oh, yeah, no, they're okay. actually stealing high. Oh, goodness, it's a bad, ticketed it's a bad Robin Hood. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, in a nutshell, consumers, they're just losing their patience and some are even willing to risk, risk criminal charges. Um, but change is happening. You know what? Um, I, I will say here that there's a lot we're frustrated about 
indignant about probably because we don't know fully what's going on. Like we don't know the full picture of where our foods come from. And, and this could be a whole different conversation, but I just want to say like I've been having a, a conversation with a friend recently and like where our food comes from, what the farmers go through, how our food ends up in the supermarkets and then in our hands here and who's taking all the money between all that, right? So because obviously right. we're not going directly to the farmer and getting the produce or the meat or dairy or any of that. So what are we saying, Mary? Like, what are we saying about this for Canadian consumers? Is it is there such thing as helping us save money on groceries? Is there a way that they're trying to do this? There are. So the federal government is now one step closer to implementing to the country's first ever grocery code of conduct. So this is the first time anything like this mm. has ever been done here in Canada. So they are trying something. The grocery um, code of conduct. Okay. Grocery code of conduct. I mean, the goal of this is to make sure that grocery stores, they're being fair, transparent, improve supply chain relationships, and predictability in the way that they do business. Okay. Um, but when we look at the consumers, and I, I again, we thought that when you hear things such as people posting things they've stolen that are in outrageous price, I think, Mary, the thing that really, I, I know dawns on me is, and I've been very skeptical, the prices we know from history, like hundreds of years of history, when something goes up, it doesn't come down unless we have a, a ridiculous mm -mm. surplus due to some freak of nature or something, and people are trying to, and you know, they're trying to get rid of it. I, that is right. the fear, not that. And, and is the fear as hyped, hyped as forty-seven dollars for a salad to yeah. be the regular price for that? No, I don't think so. But milk, everything else to 15%, whatever it's gone up in the last month and a half, two months of, right. of all groceries, never coming down. So what will this do for us doing these reviews and stuff and putting this in place? Okay, so what they're all actually doing, they're also doing at the same time a review of the Competition Act. And, and what that is, the government wants to make sure that the food supply is stable and secure because doing that will help reduce those costs to us because it's, an ultra, it's a trickle-down effect. Mm -hmm. Right. So this could lead to lower prices for consumers and then more options for what we can buy and what we want to buy, uh, because right now, let's face it, we're limited. Yep. We're limited. We're and then the larger, right, the larger chain grocers are going in and they're just they're making a hefty profit off of us. Exactly. So hopefully this kicks in soon enough. Um, the government's still figuring this out. So they're working out the details and when it will be put into effect is still yet to be determined, but it is being worked on. I like the idea of this on paper. Um, it seems very ideal to know exactly where your money is going, exactly where your food is coming from, and what part of your dollar is going where. Uh, it, you know, we talk about like Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes and just other like delivery services in general. And there's so many comparisons online about, you know, what you'd pay in person versus what, why you're prices racked up like hell when you go and get it delivered, right? And where all that money is going. So it's just, I, I kind of uh, akin this to that, you know, just knowing where my money yeah. is going can make, help me make better decisions. But Interesting. that skeptical part of a person says, you know, this has been going on for years, of even in better has. times. Yeah. So what are you doing when these guys are supposed to be told, hey, don't price fix, don't get together and collude to do things that make the price go up for, for your own benefit. We've, we've heard about this. This is allegedly what one would say. They're going, why wasn't it done before? Why? Mm. And when we would hear, oh, yeah, we're doing that. We're making sure. Mary, do, do you, 
in your heart of hearts, somebody who, who is always examining this stuff, do you feel this is going to make a difference? Do you feel there's a true uh, plot afoot? Okay, this is tough. I mean, I feel like it, it will make a difference, but my question lies more in who's going to enforce this? How are they right. going to enforce That's this? That's right. That's yeah. right. How do we know it's being enforced? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's where the question lies inspectors, for me. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, you know, when yeah. someone's making a profit, um, I feel like there's got to be a lot of transparency from the get-go, and we may have already missed that mark. Mary, what else is happening in food this week? Any new products hitting grocery store shelves or anything else that we can put a smile on our face about? Oh, absolutely. You, you know, I lo- and I love that transition into this because we're talking about smiley face bread. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, that, if, if something doesn't make you smile, I promise it's smiley that was not on purpose. <laughs> that just worked out beautifully. Yes. You couldn't have set that up any better. Um, so this may not be a grocery store item yet, which I would love to see it there. But it, I wanted to highlight a small startup in Toronto. Smiley Face Bread. So Baker Nicole McDougall, she moved back to Canada from the UK during the pandemic. And then she came up with this idea of Smiley Face Soft Bread Loaves. And she creates a smiley face image within her baked goods. So she mixes, I think she said three doughs separately. But Mm. the loaf, it feels, tastes, and it just, it looks like regular soft baked loaf, like just Mm. delicious. But when you cut into it and you cut a slice, you reveal the smiley face embedded inside the loaf. So every slice, right? Isn't that the cutest thing? And really, who frowns when you see a smiley face that automatically puts a grin in your face and makes you feel good in a great way if you eat toast in the morning to start your day? And you can find uh, Nicole and her products at Smiley Drop. Oh, my gosh. Wow, Next. that's awesome. Yeah, I, isn't I bet it you cute? could feel it. And you could feel it, I'm sure. Uh, what else do you have for us? TNT Supermarkets. They are offering the ultimate Apple experience for a limited time only. And I'm not talking about my smartphone from Apple. I'm talking about the <laughs> produce. Okay, because, right, they took to Instagram and they shared the premium apples. They were packaged individually and they were placed on top of, like, the silky cushion in this luxurious red box. You know. Um, I know, seriously. So what makes this, it's called the Envy Apple, so special. A few things. One, the slices, they naturally stay white longer, um, which makes no difference to me, but (laughs) 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 a crispy crunch to it so it's got this really unique crispy crunch with every single bite and then excuse me it's beautifully balanced in sweetness it's got that perfect balance it's actually a cross so it's a hybrid between the braeburn apple and the royal gala apples i love myself a little royal gala nice and sweet you get that tart so it's perfect but i want to mention that the beautifully packaging it's it's part of a lunar new year exclusive so okay. it'll only be available, right, for a limited time only. And you can purchase just a box of apples. The box of apples cost about $11.99, and the red gifting box, it's sold separately. So you're not obligated to buy them together, mm. but you can. The option's there. Awesome. And okay, man. I wanted to bring up one more. Just quickly, Tim Hortons, because they released a new line of hot drinks and cold brew in oh. Canada. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so if you're a Timmy's fan, the or they're only available for a limited time. The drinks are all coconut themed, like vanilla coconut latte, vanilla coconut cappuccino, vanilla nice. coconut cold brew. Wow. And they can all be customized. Yeah, they can all be customized whether you want milk, cream, oat milk, almond milk. So good. 
Mm. Okay, Mayor, thank you very much. Awesome stuff. Always limited time, limited time with Mary and limited time on those coffee brews. Uh, Mary Mamalee joins us every week on the program. We talk food with her. Check out the Kitchen Confession podcast available to you using your favorite podcatcher. We're going to step aside for a couple of moments here on the program, ladies and gentlemen. When we return, oh, this is your work to do. <laughs> anyway, Christine Malik joins us, folks, in just a couple of moments, and we'll talk to her and have a really interesting AI discussion. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Muscle memory will get you, right, girls? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I can't think of an example right now, but definitely at the start of the show, I get this little incy wincy panic in the back of my head because I don't have my headphones, like the giant cans on that we're used to having on when we were just audio. And instead we have these little IFB um, earbuds in. But I, even with like a minute left to show, I go, oh gosh, I don't have my headphones on. But, you know. I think the funniest thing for you and I didn't understand because yours are a little different than mine, is your complaint that you have to hear yourself. It sounds oh, like this yes, egotistical the monitoring. thing. I have to hear myself in my ear. And it's not. You made a good point that they're so secure in your, your ear, mm -hmm. you hear nothing. Yep. <laughs> Except whoever's speaking to you in, yep. the head, you know, in your ear, which is wonderful, but not so much for yourself when, like, where am I? My voice is lost in space somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know how you do it if you aren't hearing yourself. That's wild. Wild skills out here. <laughs> I'm Ramya Amadin here in Toronto, and Kelly McDonald joins us in London, Ontario. This is Kelly and Ramya on AMI, and we're getting into Curious Minds. Let's bring on Christine Malik. Christine Malik, and this is Curious Minds, our dive into arts, culture, and science from a blindness perspective. Chris, we're bringing up something that has been trending for a while, and trending is just like the, the bare minimum that this is. This thing is pretty amazing. It's the OpenAI chatbot. It's an interactive artificial intelligence getting a lot of attention recently. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so curious about it on various different levels. And I think we're going to get into most of that today with you. Let's start with what exactly this is and how it works. It's a, so a chatbot, an AI chatbot is an interactive a piece of technology. So as a blind person, the way you would approach it is uh, if you Google open AI chatbot, you get to a sort of introductory screen and you have it, there's a sign up process, which is pretty straightforward. And what you get is an edit box and you can type in any kind of query and you basically have a conversation. And so at this point, the technology is, uh, you know, available to users for free. And the reason for that is that it's kind of training itself in what it calls natural language processing. So its goal isn't necessarily like a Google search or you ask your Google smart speaker for something and it, it produces a fact for you. What it's actually doing, instead of giving you a link or a snippet from the web, it's trolling its vast database and mm. synthesizing a, a new response each time you ask it a question. And it remembers your chat history 
so that you can have kind of a, a conversation with it. And it's basically training itself to interact with people um, for its own, you know, unclear reasons. Uh, and in fact, right before the segment, I heard that on Double Tap today, they're going to be talking about it too, and yep. its applications in Microsoft. So yeah, it's everywhere. And uh, it's, it's super fun to play with. And a lot of people, it's generated a lot of press for, for good reason. Mm -hmm. As it should, because it's pretty amazing. I mean, some will feel, I'm sure, that well, it's like it's building up a personal relationship with you almost, and it is to do what you want it to do in the long run. Uh, and I'm sure some feel, well, you're not paying for it. It's beta testing it kind of thing. Yeah, if it makes you more comfortable to think of it that way, um, that, that kind of works too, Chris, because there are some very interesting uses that people are already starting to put it to use and what it will do. So can give us some examples what one might use it for? Uh, well, first I'm gonna tell you what they say not to use it for. So they're open about the fact that it's uh, its information goes up to, I think it's 2019 or 2020. Don't ask it for medical advice. Results can be completely wrong. Uh, so they're really trying to you know, qualify what you use it for. So at this point, you know, you're safest to think of it as entertainment, which is sort of yes. how I've been approaching it. So okay. um, I have some examples uh, well, I've I done I've done some funny things with it uh, in terms of coming up with rhyming verse and songs and stuff. And one thing to know is that it's very popular and it's very busy. So I went to it today to say something like generate me a limerick about chocolate or something like that. But as is common during the day, uh, it was not available. So I'll give you an example of what it posted on its page when it described itself as unavailable. So explain the status of chatbot GPT in the style of Shakespeare. Ah, dear user of chat GPT, thou art not alone in thy desire to engage with our esteemed AI chatbot. Many have flocked to our website in this hour, and we do our utmost to accommodate each and every one. Yet, alas, our resources are not without limit, and we must ask for thy patience and forbearance. In time, we shall be able to provide thee with access to chat GPT. Until then, <laughs> We beg thee to return at a future juncture when we may better serve thy needs. Until then, we bid thee adieu and good fortune. Right. And so that's a classic. <laughs> I know. It's yay verily, right? It's very awesome. fun. So um, I've done things like mm, write me a love song in a bluegrass format or mm. write me an optimistic article about climate change. Then write me a pessimistic article uh, about climate change. And it does this very well. It's shockingly good at style choices. Uh, it's good for writing copy. I tried... Uh, write me some copy. I'm a folk singer who likes small gigs with a guitar background music. And it, it came up with some really credible copy. So wow. um, you wouldn't use it like it's not brilliant and you would want to tweak it. But if you're someone who hates writing, which I don't, I love writing, but I know people who they're okay at it, but they hate writing. So if they have right. to do a small writing, like three paragraphs, I could easily see going to chatbot saying, write me a three paragraph thing on X and then tweak it and maybe mm -hmm. put in a few stylistic things. Um, but there's, uh, you know, those are the basic, uh, the basic things that, that uh, there's so many, there's so many uses for it. And um, yeah. 
I'm I'm particularly interested, of course, in the the experience of blind blind users mm-hmm. and what AI might have to offer us. And so here's a, a couple of examples of things I tried with Chatbot and the results that I got. Give me a verbal description of what the CN Tower looks like, an AI chatbot said. The CN Tower is a very tall and thin structure standing at a height of over 1,800 feet. It has a distinctive shape with a series of triangular shapes stacked on top of one another. The tower is made of concrete and steel, and it has a smooth, sleek appearance. At the top of the tower, there is a round observation deck and a restaurant that offer panoramic views of the city. The tower also has a glass floor that allows visitors to look down at the ground below their feet. The CN Tower is a popular tourist attraction and is and it is a well-known landmark in Toronto. Then I said, give me a verbal description of an alligator. An AI chatbot said, an alligator is a large reptile with a long muscular body, short legs, and a powerful tail. Its skin is covered in tough armored scales that are typically greenish brown in color. Alligators have a long flat head with a powerful jaw filled with sharp teeth. They have sharp, small beady eyes and nostrils that are located on the top of their head, allowing them to breathe while the rest of their body is underwater. Alligators are found in wetlands and swamps in the southeastern United States, and they are known for their strong swimming abilities and powerful bites. So, like how great is that? I love that it. That didn't take I know, right? So you can approach this as a blind person with description questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, for sure. I'm not saying it's gonna put an audio describer out of work, but say I'm writing something. I was kind of thinking and I that. need Yeah. And I need to know, okay, crocodile, what is a crocodile? How can I write this and not sound like a doofus, right? I wanna know how to describe a crocodile. So AI chatbot, there you go. It's gonna tell me uh, how to do that. So brilliant. Uh for for things like that and you know fact check you know maybe run that by a sighted person Mm -hmm. if you're about to submit it for for something really important but uh super useful well, you can think of some of the things that, like, we were having the discussion on the program here about this a while ago, and Ramya, one of the things we got talking about is just what it gathers, what it knows, and if there's a repetitive thing you have to do, such as your podcast descriptions every day mm-hmm. and putting the information the and letting it just organize stuff. it. Yeah, and letting it organize it the way. Sure, there's still work you have to do to, to, to give it, but that organization and creativity of how... Um, it organizes it in that format for you and saving you, even if it's that three, four, five minutes. Chris. Yeah, to, it, giving you vital. templates and things like that. But yeah. I loved how you said, you know, give me this in bluegrass style, and then it gave you something, and you're like, and oh. I could tweak it, and I could do all sure. the, the rest. But also what people have been experimenting with is telling the chatbot to tweak it, you know, add a little more of this, remove this mm. kind of thing, and mm-hmm. working with it to give you the scenario that you want in the end, which I think is amazing. Like, that part still blows my mind that, you know, it's so responsive to what you need. Well, I mean, well when, I did, cr- when I did that example of uh, write me some copy to get me musical gigs, and I, it did it, and then I said, okay, make it edgier. Right, And, uh, like and it did it. Yes. So exactly because like a lot said. of what it's doing, Chris, you're seeing, for example, your 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 first example of it really, uh, when you say, okay, you know, what's going on? It's busy right now. So you got the Shakespearean 
response, mm -hmm. a lot of that is the mimicking from, like you say, what is out there, what it's gathered in its limited knowledge based on the thousands, hundreds of thousands that are doing the same kind of thing yes. and utilizing that resource. There is a lot of imitation, but that is the repetitiveness of human beings in all languages. <laughs> <laughs> That's right? a really excellent point. And there's, a, um, there's of course, a lot of people are writing about this. And there was a piece in The Atlantic about it. And one of the points they made, which I really appreciated, and a few people have made this point, that there's a big concern about education mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, cheating and how can we verify? Because you can't. Yeah. You can't plagiar plagiarize test because it's not someone else's content. And the point they made was, well, maybe that's more of a comment on the education system because mm -hmm. you can't tell because all you're doing is regurgitating. And um, that, you know, this was really interesting to me. Oh, my gosh, maybe we'll have to go back to oral exams where you actually sure. talk to the student and decide, you know, yeah. do they actually know? Because it's so actually, right? still getting the information from research. This It's just in a different way. Back yeah, in, in the a day, different you went way. to the library and spent hours reading yes. the same book and not, certainly mm. you weren't going to sit there and copy right out of the book and plagiarize yes. it, but you were expected to understand and know. So if, whether it's Alexa or whomever telling you something or the bot, you still have to take that 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 description of the alligator and pull from that yeah. what is the part you need. And yes, somebody could have false information in there, but if a million people have are dealing with alligator description and it, it's going to pull the most commonly known stuff. And even now we get everything from Wikipedia can be, you know, can be wrong too. Of can course it is. But it, yeah. I think the question really is like, what are we afraid of? Because technology yeah. yes. is moving this direction. We know that we know that when, what is it? Turn it in.com came along. We're like, okay, because it wants to verify, you know, that you're not plagiarizing, but exactly what you're saying, Chris, you know, are we looking at the wrong stuff because we know that this is the way that it's going. <laughs> So should we be scared? <laughs> um, yes and no. Well, I think we sort of should be, but maybe not for the reasons people say. So mm -hmm. I actually, you know, I think there's a bit of panic in the education system, but I kind of an analogize it to the calculator. The, the calculator changed how yep. math is taught. And I think That's that right. AIs might change the way everything else is taught. But I'm a... You know, I'm a longtime science fiction geek, and so where my mind goes is sentient AI, and that's what scares me, is yep. when does something become conscious? And this is really blue exactly. sky, like way out there stuff, but, you know, science fiction writers have been thinking about this, and they're very smart people for decades and decades, so what really concerns me is... One, how do we know if we're even speaking to a real person because you can use just synthesized yep. speech? You know, you call someone, you're here talking to someone, is that a person? Is that a machine? And then when does that machine have more power than than I do or than other mm -hmm, people do? Mm -hmm. So I do think we should be really vigilant and concerned, but maybe well, I don't see a lot of press about that that sentient AI thing. People aren't really talking about that. So I don't know if I'm way out in the weeds there, but that's the part that makes I think we're me closer go, than we seem. Well, and yeah, I, I, yeah. we always are. Well, and keep it in mind, the calculator made us grow further uh, outside of just division cal and, and yeah. simple exactly. math. It made us do more because exactly. we could do more. It doesn't exactly. mean that uh, we don't know math, except some of us don't. Chris, got to let you go. Thank you so much. I don't. Thank you. Reveting conversations on Curious Minds. Uh, if you Google OpenAI Chatbot, that's when you'll find their page. Coming up after the break, we have the roundtable facilitated by Carrie, Kelly McDonald. Who's Carrie? <laughs> 
It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. The vibe continues to be fun and informative here on Kelly and Ramya on a Thursday. And if you missed any of the content today, we can obviously send you over to your podcast platform. Pick your favorite one, go search for Kelly and Ramya, and you will find our one and our two of the show over there. And of course, tune in live again at 10 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. Eastern time for the repeat of the episode. I'm Ramya Amazon, and I'm throwing it over to you, Kelly McDonald. Okay, it's that time, folks. Uh, Every week on Thursdays, I pick a few things. We sit down and have a discussion. We invite a guest in to join us on it. We call it the Thursday Roundtable. Isn't it convenient that we have a roundtable? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now. Goes, (laughs) yeah, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Today's guest joining Rummy and I is content development specialist James Crisco out there in Edmonton. Jimmy, I can't say welcome to television because I know you appear on the morning show or are used to, but I can say welcome to our television. How are you? I am doing well. And this is really exciting. This is my first guest spot on your new TV show. Wow. And uh, I know it was really, it was, it's thrilling for me actually. And uh, I'm not, I'm not used to it. I usually when I'm talking to you guys, it's, it's, not face to face, but now it is. It's yes. wonderful. Especially because yeah. you got kicked wow. off the morning show. It must be extra special. <laughs> Getting kicked off everything, aren't you, James? <laughs> yeah. well, here's well, a suggestion. You guys invited me back. Yeah. Thanks for that, Jim. <laughs> My suggestion to you for your first time being on the show is don't make a fool of yourself. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're glad to have you back and glad to have fun doing the roundtable. And I think, Jim, I think I've got some things right off the top for you to kind of mull over and enlighten us on. Uh, some Albertans who usually bike, run, climb, hike, or take photographs at Maureen Lake in Banff National Park say that a decision to restrict personal vehicles on its access road is way overdue. Now, Parks Canada will be requiring visitors to take its shuttles, regional transit, or commercial vehicles to get to the uh, uh, iconic uh, um, Alpine Lake. This, uh, and of course, the nearby climbing routes that are there and hiking trails as well. Now, this is is what they're expecting to do this year as people flock to the park. Bill Keeling, who runs Wilson's Mountain Sports and at Lake Louise says the area has been under siege for 15 years. So, okay, I wasn't sure if we had it, guys. Sorry. So Keeling also says Parks Canada should increase the frequency of its shuttles to allow more people to visit the area. Uh, It will have 2,700 shuttles spots this year alone. Last year it had 2,500 spots and allowed 900 personal vehicles to enter the area. Jim, tell us a little bit about, you know, this amount of, of people going to something like this. We talk about touristy places, and when we talk out in Alberta, you guys have so many of these glowing areas to go to, um, these national parks that are just tremendous. Lake Louise, we hear so much about. Have you heard about this problem? Is it truly around Alberta a problem at many of these wonderful places, re- uh, natural resources that people have to entertain themselves at? 
Yeah, I would I would say so, Kelly. We we've got uh and I've been going to to these areas for a number of years, but you have to keep in mind that a lot of the national park uh areas that that are are the the really prime touristy areas were probably created back in the 50s, the 40s, yeah. uh a, a lot of years ago. So back then there were a lot there was a lot less traffic a lot fewer vehicles were going in and out and i know from the moraine lake uh going in there the you know the 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 amount of traffic had outgrown the infrastructure a number of years ago so if you were to drive in you could be driving around in circles to look for a parking spot basically waiting for someone to leave for quite a while before you could even park so i i do get where they um why they came up with this decision why they did this i think now uh, it'll probably take maybe a, a you know a couple or a few years to get the 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 shuttling right to make sure that you have mm. enough shuttles mm. so that people aren't waiting for shuttles for hours on end. So I but, assume um, we book online for that, right? That, my, that would be my that? assumption yeah. that there there must yeah. be some way to to at least reserve a spot to get on the shuttle. But I I think that it will really you know improve things. Now at at this point, I'm not sure where you're going to park to get the shuttle. Because yeah, um, unless you're shuttling all the way from Banff, uh, yeah. which is you know a, a maybe 45 minutes or an hour from from Lake Louise, uh, you know I, I'm not sure how that's all going to work out. But I I can see why they came up with this because really it's been a while since it's been a a, a comfortable <laughs> place to yeah. get in there. Sometimes when you're on your holiday, and you know it's a it, it could be a gorgeous summer day, and it's just very frustrating because you have to sit in your car and you can't enjoy the the scenery and the the the, the uh, area around you. Well, I have to imagine those 900 parking spots too are for people coming for the day, not necessarily coming to use the shuttle. Maybe they're included. Maybe it is from a nearby town where you have a parking space. And once it's filled, once it's reserved and filled, you know that's who gets to go there that day. And you have a specific time. You're done and leaving. Um, which it, it's a bit frustrating, a bit limiting, especially if you're supposed to be there four or five hours and you end up going. Oh, it's a rainy day. Um, you don't have some of that freedom. But Ramya, when we look at something like this as a disabled person who this is our only option, shuttles, we could we would be the first to say 10 years ago, why can't there be some kind of transit out there? Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. There's so many examples of outdoor um, scenarios, right? Like wanting to go and visit national parks and provincial parks and just tourist locations, really anywhere, and saying, well, how am I going to get there? How am I going to spend the day there? What, you know, what problems am I going to encounter? Fill in the blank, there's going to be tons of problems. Um, But there's when we when i wonder about the initiation for this kind of project like jim was saying long overdue uh great that they're getting into it i do wonder if disability even came up right because if that's the case then there should be so many more examples of this but in ontario where there's gorgeous and like thousands okay maybe not thousands but like hundreds of definitely beautiful places to go and check out there's zero to very little way for people with disabilities to get there and transportation being one of them, parking being another one, and uh, you know the the process of finding, booking, getting the ticket, knowing that it's available or not available that day, all these different things. It's like it's great on the outside and at a glance, but when you start looking into how to actually do it, it's almost impossible sometimes. 
What do you think, Jim? I mean, you've reported on many accessible trails and things like that throughout Alberta, Manitoba, Saskatchewan that are, are being created. But it's, it's, not, it's not only that, it's the shuttles. Will they be accessible? How many available spots would there be for wheelchairs, uh, let alone? Or is it that belief that, well, a wheelchair person, who would want to go through Lake Louise like that? Or a blind person, oh my goodness, they'd get lost and eaten by a bear. Well, you know, and you're right, Kelly, and and, and definitely, uh, Ramya, I, I I totally agree. What we tend to do, I find, uh, in, in some of our parks, the national parks especially, is they they do something really well the first time. It's the maintenance or the upkeep or the mm -hmm. uh, adaptation later that it doesn't happen as quickly. And I I I look at this. There was this one accessible trail that was uh, around one of the lakes at at Jasper, and I was really eager to find it so that I could report back to everyone and and tell them about this accessible trail. But I wanted to make sure it was okay. So anyhow, I, I, I went to it and it was done many years before. It had cracks in it. It was no longer really that accessible uh, anymore yeah. uh, because of the, the cracks. They finally, they did come back and fix it, but I bet, bet it was probably 10 years that it was not accessible, even though it's yeah. considered an accessible trail. And there's no way you know. You look, go out there, you make, you organize transit from somebody to drop you off, and you look and say, this is unusable. What happened? This is reported to be accessible. And I think you're so right. That is just as important as making it, that it's, it's the follow-through. Uh, guys, let's talk about employers. Experts are saying that employers and staff working from home must walk a thin line uh, with, when it comes to trust, monitoring, and micromanaging. Organizational psychologist and UBC Business School professor Sandra Robinson says a key reason employers are continuing with remote or hybrid work arrangements long after pandemic restrictions lifted is employee satisfaction. Yet, she warns, computer tracking software that allow employers to monitor workers' activity could backfire by eroding trust and ultimately output. Robinson says one of the best ways to build trust is by being trusting, which often gets reciprocated. The monitoring of people working from home, she says, could also create unrealistic standards of being on all the time, standards that aren't even upheld in many office environments. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. So, Ramya, we have Robert Half on here. We had Michael on last week. We're going to have somebody on again soon to talk about four-day work weeks and so on, the potential of that. But that trust game, that... I know the early days of working from home for those before pandemic days, uh, there was that, I got to make sure people realize I'm working or, well, how will I know what you're going to be doing when you're at home? You won't have somebody watching mm. you day in and day out, as if they are in the office necessarily. But now we know it's become, from what we've been told, part of, I'm looking for a new job. How? And, and it's right up there in the first questions. Yeah, I, I think that... Um Basically, what I'm learning is that, you know, some managers, some supervisors, some uh, employers altogether, organizations, have the instantaneous reaction to, you know, do things as they were and start the micromanagement, start the implementation of these softwares or whatever, ways that they can keep track of their employees. And I just think it's a bad idea. You know, we've learned so much through the pandemic. Let's not undo all the good stuff by... Uh, going back to norms, you know, going back to what used to be okay. I think that we're we're very transparent. Like we're communicating so much. You mentioned Robert Half. All those studies based on how people feel in the workplace, how people want to feel in the workplace, want to be managed, and what's important. And one of the biggest things we're learning is people are ready to leave their jobs. They're like, I'm unhappy. I don't feel like this is a flexible 
environment for me, I'm out. So if that's the case, then we need to look in the mirror, uh, employers, and say, what's driving people away and how do we keep people here? And it's a big thing to start learning, this trust, and uh, it's very new for many of us, but nonetheless, it has to happen. Now, Jim, we love having your boss, uh, John Melville, come on the program on the, on the roundtable. He has a bad habit, however, of scheduling meetings with you guys that gets in the way of the roundtable sometimes, <laughs> but uh, whatever. Um, I know when one says, I'm going to go look for a new job, and we hear this a lot right now, that that's what people through the pandemic got themselves ready, are doing that. And this, as Ramya was saying, this is part of the deal. The pa If you were in that position right now, Knowing what you have, the situation you have now, um, I, I I don't know what I would ask for. I, I mean, obviously, I'd think, well, I've been here a long time. I'd like to be able to stay. But if I was in that position while I'm leaving, um, and as a disabled person, I think Ramya will agree with me, what we're going to look for, because jobs are scarcer for the disability community, right. Um, we're going to look for different things and be happy to have that job, uh, you know, and, and well, not necessarily happy to have it, but happy to at least secure something that pays our bills. Can I ask what you feel in the circumstance? Would you look for something the same as you've got, not necessarily the industry, that work from home, or, or does it matter to you at this point? You know what, at this point, Kelly, it doesn't. I, I think I would look at the job. And if I really wanted to do the job, if I thought I could do a good job at it, regardless of where I worked, whether it be at home or at an office, my my suggestion would be, though, my thought is that, and I mean, every there's a lot of different types of jobs and a lot more are, are productivity focused and there's certain things that, you know, that have to be done by the end of the day. Um, right. But I would suggest that for most companies, if you are going to go to the effort of putting software on your employees' computers to to check their productivity, maybe you shouldn't have them working at home. Maybe mm. that is just saying that you you don't have a, an environment or an atmosphere that that is going to work in because it, it immediately is sort of a distrustful environment. Mm. But that's my thought on it. I, 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 I think it, you know, some people love working from home, some don't. It's really a, a personal thing. To me, it would come down to the, to the job, to the position. I love what I do, I love AMI. I love what I'm doing here, and uh, you know, it's a it's it's a joy to work from wherever for for AMI. Well, just I in case anybody's myself, listening, it's an accessible thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just in case. Oh, we know. Can you watching. put this in we the commercial, know. please? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Could you play it at nauseum, please? Too. Um, Ramya, you and I think about, and I didn't mean to put words in your mouth, but the accessible piece for one. But it's a cultural thing in our society to that whole. Are you working? Do we need to know you're not playing on YouTube or downloading stuff that that we can't be having job. you download on on company equipment? Yeah, I mean, you you and I might look at it a bit differently if we were on that job search and maybe be as forceful about what we need, which is a good thing to let them know, but maybe also works against us. So many people with disabilities, especially if you're unemployed or want to change jobs, we live in this fear mindset, right? Like fear comes first. You know, if I leave this job, if I say I'm out, then where am I going to find my next one? Or is somebody else going to hire me? Or are my skills even good enough to uh, to be employed? And I think that th these are a lot of insecurities that people with disabilities carry simply because of the historical evidence that we don't get employed enough, right? But Nonetheless, you know, if we start shifting our mindset on that, starting to feel like we do have the skills, we do have the confidence, I know that I am, you know, valued at this company and could be valued at another company, then it just 
it shifts the perspective altogether. And I think that we're in a really sweet spot to do that. You know, as a person with anybody living with disabilities right now, our lived experience alone adds so much value to the workforce. I think so. The knowledge, the experience, and it's become that thing that we recognize that people are starting to see what helps with our accessibility with, with yeah. us, helps everyone. Um, you know, it's no longer as blind people. Well, the lights, having lights is really only for the sighted people. The blind, you know, it, it's, it's beyond that when it comes to anything there, others are able to utilize and everybody should be comfortable. Uh, Jim Crisco, anything out of your office, anything we should know since we have about 30 seconds left before we let you go? Uh, you know what, uh, other than the, uh, the weather has, here has been really good. <laughs> So I'm hoping that continues. Uh, and the other thing is, too, actually, we're uh, we're at that time of year where we're producing or putting into plans uh, a lot of great productions for next year. So very exciting as as these things come together and uh, hopefully be able to share that with you guys in the next little while. Jim Crisco joining us from Edmonton on the roundtable. Always wonderful. Jim, we'll talk to you in the next little while and get you back here. Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jim. Always making time for us. He always has that time, Rum. He always does, because like I said, they've kicked him off other shows and even on this show to a capacity. But nonetheless, we make Yeah, they have nowhere room. else to go. They'll come on our show <laughs> just like that. Right? Round was looking really good, huh? <laughs> yeah, easy to get these guys now. That's right, exactly. Um, we have just a bit more ahead on Kelly and Rummy as we wrap up the show. Find out what's coming up on tomorrow's morning show, now with Dave Brown. And, of course, tomorrow's afternoon show as we get to the Friday edition. We'll be right back. This is Kelly and Rummy. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Shout out to The Pulse on AMI-audio, also available as a podcast and video podcast. But Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern is when it airs on AMI-audio. Joita Gupta this week spoke to Sue Phillips, Vice President of the End of Life Doula Association of Canada, about why people should prepare for death and the processes around death. So you can check out The Pulse and that conversation on AMI-audio, available on your favorite podcast platform as well, and on YouTube as a video podcast. This is Kelly and Ramia. We are wrapping up the show over here on AMI, and we love to throw uh, to some podcasts or some segments from today that you can check out on your favorite podcast platform. Kels, you go first. And I'm not, you know, I like trivia, love it. Don't necessarily love quizzes on our show, but trivia to sit around and mm -hmm. just, the, the, you know, what is it, what they say that's just, how's your head full of those? How do you know that? As, as we taught me, it really made me chuckle because I've heard that and there's just so many little things you pick up. But just to hear the way that Audible, this thing has been put together and available, uh, these books, and the choices that you have over 12 hours of, of just this fun answering questions, 60 of these different, uh, you know, chapters. I just thought that was a lot of fun. And for Michael, kind of a different audio entertainment mm -hmm. piece from the present to us today. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of an interactive audiobook situation, which was really yeah. cool. And he always brings his 
cool, fun things on Thursdays. Another weekly contributor now on the show. If you're um, new to the show right now, this is a recent change. Mary Mamaliti joining us on Thursdays. And she's a foodie, and she brings up incredible, you know, recipes and trends and things like that. But sometimes we get into these deeper discussions of, you know, why, why are prices going up and what's going on around Canada that we need to check in with when it comes to keeping in touch with our grocery bills. And she talked about a lot of different things around that mm-hmm. topic today as well. You can a also go to... A frustrating on the show today yeah. at times and a lot of laughs at times too. Exactly. Definite variety. Uh, you can check out Mary's podcast, discussions, recipes and all other stuff at uh, kitchenconfession.com. I was going to make a whole new web address for us. <laughs> All right, let's find out what's coming up on tomorrow's edition of Now with Dave Brown, Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time with Dave Brown. One of the producers is Paul Daniel, and he's here to give us a preview. Hello. Hey, Ramya. On tomorrow's show, the Friday News Panel with Joita Gupta from The Pulse, journalist Michelle McQuig and Dave Brown come together to discuss some of the big stories of the week, including new guidance from the Canadian Centre on Substance Use and Addiction, suggesting that people should only be having two drinks per week. And they also recommended that warning labels be placed on bottles and cans. It's a rather controversial idea. Mm -hmm. So the panel will offer their reaction to this guidance and whether warning labels have any effect with the public. Entertainment critic Michael McNeely will preview the psychological horror flick Knock at the Cabin. And Greg David from the marketing department will do a look ahead on possible trends for television in 2023. Anything with the word cabin in it as a horror movie is probably yeah, going to do well. Yeah, it's pretty scary, yeah. It's default, right? Yeah, it's, <laughs> nothing good ever happened at a cabin, you know. Yeah. Just, <laughs> cabin in the woods, yeah, knock at the it's cabin. A, it's just a movie. You're asking for trouble at the cabin, right? Yeah, even if you don't put cabin in the title, if there's a cabin involved, then forget it. You're about to be scared. Even a cabin on a boat. <laughs> is that a thing? A boat cabin? Well, sure, there's boat be. cabins. Why not? People used to, on the old steamers that would take like a week and a half mm-hmm. or two weeks to go across from the UK to here. Oh, yeah, they, they'd right. always have some scary stuff. I believe you. I totally Jeez. believe you. And, it, right. and Paul, they'd put it in black and white, make it even scarier. <laughs> even scarier. Oh, yeah, that always had <laughs> and the spooky music too, yeah. So, yeah, all scary stuff. Cool, Paul. Thank you so much for the preview. Take care. Paul Daniel, one of the producers on Now with Dave Brown, which you can catch at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. And you can also check out their show via podcast by searching for Now with Dave Brown. Uh, Let's find out what's coming up on tomorrow's edition of Kelly and Rumia, the Friday edition right before the weekend. We like to have a lot of fun with you. John Beeler is joining us for our app update. And Samsung TVs can now automatically detect text on screen and move the captions around for us. That sounds good. Oh, man, how helpful. We'll like that. And, of course, Samsung seems to be doing a lot of good accessible stuff for us. But we always got to get into food somewhere, even in our gardens, ladies and gentlemen, when I think about cranberries. We're going to be talking with our gardener, Susan Curdy. She'll be filling us in and having a nice discussion about cranberries, especially in the midst of the winter. The lovely cranberry. The lovely cranberry. Hopefully we can get to this convo because it's been a couple of weeks since we've been trying <laughs> to get to it. And by the way, I've been putting frozen cranberries in my smoothies, and it's a vibe. So good. Nice. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Um, looking forward to that as well as the chatty bookshelf and all other things on Kelly and Rumia, the Friday edition. Tune in at 2 p.m. Eastern time so you can catch the entire show. We're going to leave you for now, but we will catch you tomorrow.
I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hadjar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.